Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with your hosts, Sam Goldfinch and Ellie Crow. If you want to make your life bigger, not smaller, then this is the podcast for you. If you can sense that you're destined for more and you're curious about how drinking could be holding you back, listen in and come on this journey with us. Through the interplay of mind and body practices, we will help you elevate your daily life and discover the wonder and potential of going alcohol free. Let's make life bigger together. Happy Tuesday, lovely people. We've got Simon Chapel with us today. Such an, just an exciting guest to have on. Me and Ellie meet people every single week who've been just so positively impacted by Simon's work at Be Sober. One of the original t- This Naked Mind um, coaches, it's incredible what he's done in such a short space of time. And, you know, I'm sure many of you will know him from his YouTube channel, his Facebook group, the work that he does on his website and his coaching. And he's just such an authentic and open voice. Um, for me, he's an inspiration, another guy in the space that's like, but, you know, really happy to talk about things that a lot of guys have, like, been told to bottle up. Um but, you know, his message just hits everybody and it's such a powerful one of, of joy and that, you know, leaving alcohol behind is such a, such a powerful um, life choice that can, that can give you so much more connection, which is exactly what the theme of our podcast is all about. We're also going to talk about an amazing event that Simon's got coming up in January, on January the 2nd in London. Um, the first kind of event of its type, really, in the UK. Um, me and Ellie are going to be there. So if you want to come and meet us uh, in person, like to come along and it's going to be loads of fun. So we're going to talk about that and there's promo codes and all sorts below this um, show in the show notes. So if that's something you're interested in, we cannot wait to see you there. So without further ado, I'm going to uh, hand us over to, well, to us. Hello. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with me, Ellie and Sam. And today... We're joined by one of my favourite people in the world. It's Mr. Simon Chapel. Hi, Simon. Hi, Ellie. Thanks for having me. I didn't know I was one of the, your favourite people in the world. There I'm you sure go. I've said that loads of times. <laughs> wow. I'm honoured. <laughs> um, so, I mean, everybody knows Simon. Everybody knows Simon. But if you if you happen to have been living under a rock and you don't know who Simon is, Simon is um, another This Naked Mind coach. So I think you were one of the first people trained by Annie, weren't you, Simon? Yeah, I think I was the second coach that joined this naked mind behind Carly Benson and Scott Pinyard was there, but he was kind of the yeah. head coach and has been forever and I think probably will be forever. Yeah, so so Simon's been with this uh, coach for this naked mind for a very, very long time, senior coach, and um, he uh, has been in pretty much every live alcohol experiment as well. Yeah, for over um, three years now. How cool is that? So uh, Sam, Sam's currently coaching with Simon in the live alcohol experiment. I've had the pleasure a couple of times too. And uh, Simon's, uh, you'll have heard in Simon's intro, he has his own YouTube channel and books and all sorts of bits and pieces. So we'll make sure that we've got links to all of Simon's things so you can uh, follow him in and check those out. Uh, Simon's here for a couple of reasons today. Number one, there's a big subject which we've touched on in the past that we want to go into greater detail on. Uh, and that's about connection. And uh, linked to that, we've got a really, really, really exciting offer for you. So stay tuned because there is something that you are not going to want to miss out on. And we'll get to that in the second half. So Simon, you've been around for a lot longer than Sam and I in the uh, sobriety community. So what, where, where do you want to start with connection? What, what, comes to mind when you think about the subject connection 
The first thing that comes to mind with connection, actually, when you said that that was you know something you'd like to talk about, it always just brings me back to how easily we can become lonely or bored when we stop drinking because a, a strategy that I talk to my clients about when I work with them to help them quit drinking is really looking at how they feel digging into their emotions and getting really conscious about it and that's a big one that comes up boredom and loneliness and my strategy is to look for the opposite the way we meet our needs is not through alcohol it's looking at the opposite of the negative emotion and in both of those examples generally it's connection so it made me think of of that and think of that tactic but in my own personal experience, you know, my connection with, was with alcohol. I had become emotionally disconnected from everybody around me, my wife, my son. I didn't have many friends when I was drinking. I would drink at home a lot. So connection was something I'd really distanced myself from. And I didn't realize the damage that it was actually causing me. And since quitting drinking, and it took a little while to do this, it was like one step at a time and peeling back layers of an onion. I actually started to put some effort into putting myself out there. And we actually recently moved to a new town 20 miles from where we were before. And we don't know anybody. So that actually gave me an extra push to get myself out there. So I've joined a local fitness boot camp and I've made lots of friends there. I've been playing football for a local Sunday side. I got kicked all over the place a couple of days ago and I can barely walk at the moment. The joy, the joy. <laughs> yeah, but I'm making friends. So yeah. that's what counts. <laughs> It's a huge piece of it. And so I mean, I have the same experience of, um, you know, drinking used to be kind of like, I said, like the, a social thing. And then over time, it became like a Friday night in for myself. And I didn't want to go out there and face other people. I was always thinking about what someone might be thinking. And it was easier just to sit at home and get sloshed. Um, and that just became more and more common. Um, and you lose the connection with yourself when you're doing that as well. Um, you know, we connect to other people through our connection to who we really are as well. And, you know, we sort of feel like I feel like I'd lost myself for the longest time. Um, it's a huge piece of the puzzle for a lot of people. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the the other sort of angle with this is very much around how alcohol makes us disconnected. We might think we're being sociable and we might be going to the pub with 20, 30 other people, but actually Every time we drink, I think we take one step further away from connection. And I noticed it with my wife when we first got together. Yes, I was drinking, but we were connected. And as the years went by and the drinking escalated, it was like a big gulf started to emerge between us. And it got harder and hard to kind of bridge that canyon that had formed. And it was only through doing therapy work that, and really starting to tap into my feelings and my emotions that I became able to identify them, speak them out loud. And that's really where connection happens on the level that I enjoy the most, which is when I feel like people let me in. There was something I learned through um, therapy work and, and it always eluded me. So one of the therapists said to me about intimacy, which is a form of connection. And I always thought intimacy meant sex. And it was as simple as that. And I think a lot of people do. They think intimacy, they think sex. And she said to me, no, into me see when you let somebody see into you that is true intimacy and it really stuck with me and I've always yeah, thought cool. about that you know like opening myself up and allowing people to see into me almost wearing what's on the inside on the outside and I think that's how real true meaningful connection forms with people 
Simon, you made a video not long ago about talk, about how to, you know, how to talk to a partner or to friends. And you mentioned the word vulnerability. And I've really noticed that like it's we kind of expect other people to get what's going on. And very often, you know, we're in our own container and, and, and our partner or our friends are kind of in theirs. And when we're vulnerable and when we open up a bit and let them see into us as such and see that it's really amazing the shift that can happen. And it's and it can be really scary to do that. But leaning into that is a really powerful thing to do and I feel more connected to the people around me now than I ever have and I was so petrified like my relationship with my dad was built around beer and like at the beginning it was like well what the bloody hell are we going to do now but mm. we're closer than we've ever been um mm. that fear I had was nothing more than than that like a lot of thinking around something yeah um but the only antidote to fear is courage mm. yeah, that's what that's what destroys fear it's interesting some people find it easier than others I don't know if you've, um, there's a book called Wired for Love. I don't know if you've read it, but it's all about building better connection and intimacy with partners. It's by someone called Stan Tatkin, T-A-T-K-I-N, brilliant book. And in the book, he talks about attachment styles and he has islands, anchors and waves. And anchors are people who are emotionally intelligent. They're not easily wobbled when it comes to emotions and they're you know, very stable, essentially. Then you have people who are islands. I tend to find men are more islands than women. And islands are kind of emotionally isolated. They don't like letting people in. And they want to, you know, they're quite happy to be on their own. The idea of a good night out for them might be in a hotel room on their own, for example. And then waves are people who are quite emotionally needy and they will come into their island like a wave comes in reaching out for love and attention and affection and then when they don't get it they feel rejected and they withdraw again just like a wave and islands tend to get with waves and the reason I'm sharing it is because waves find it a lot easier to be more vulnerable and to be more open islands can find it a challenge I, I belong to a men's therapy group and there are three or four guys in that group who are absolute islands and they struggle to be vulnerable they struggle to open up and some other of us in the group have had to really push them I'm a classic wave I'm emotionally needy although I'm much more aware of it and much better I love that it's really interesting and I'm sure I've heard of I think there's another one that one of the guys that I trained with was a big fan of Stan so I'm going to go and I'm going to go and check that out um it's it it strikes me there's like there's there's two parts to this so there's the connection with self and there's the connection with others so I, I've talked about this a lot about I felt incredibly disconnected from myself when I was drinking although I wouldn't have necessarily been able to articulate that at the time it was when I removed alcohol and I realized how distanced I was from myself and it was this whole feeling that you I, I couldn't be who I really was I'd run away from that person for so many years the running away from the not good enoughness and so it took a lot of work a lot of inner work to you know gather the awareness and then start to work through things like acceptance and forgiveness and self-compassion and then true self-care but once you start on that road you it's, it's like a groundswell and along the way I mean I'm, I'm probably guessing I'm a wave <laughs> I've got no problem being vulnerable you're a wave <laughs> yeah <laughs> but then that in 
what I've what I know to be true from my own journey is that that in that opening up to other people, that vulnerability, it's a massive gift to yourself, but it is a gift to other people. So the in 2019, I signed up for the 2020 live alcohol experiment as a participant. And this was right before Christmas. And I remember thinking there is no way on earth that I'm going in that Facebook group and talking to those people in that group. I'm not, I'm not one of those. I'm just here for the videos and the, um, the other bits and pieces. I'm going to do the work, but I'm going to do it in isolation. And, and it just shows how wrong, and, and I was very willing to be wrong. Within half a day, I was all over that group. And it was such a wonderful community that I think there is something very special about the communities with this naked mind, the kind of people that are, are attracted. Um, and of course it grew, like it started off as a few hundred people and then became many thousands. But to, to be able to be so vulnerable with strangers and, and just as you said before, Simon, it takes courage. But when you see uh, and experience what's on the other side of that, you just want to do more and more and more of it. And it just, the, and the more you do of it, of course, the bigger and faster it grows. It's just colossal. Yeah, brilliantly put. I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And it's all about having a safe space. You've got to find your tribe. You've got to have a safe space because, you know, if you're an oversharer like me, then you haven't got a problem telling, you know, the local supermarket checkout assistants that, you know, your deepest, darkest secrets, which can be a blessing and a curse. But <laughs> most people don't do that. And most people can find, find it a challenge. So finding a place where you feel really safe, where you have trust in others. And for me, it also helped in a, in a different way because I'd never had a problem with being vulnerable and open. But I think it can also help to start practicing radical honesty, uh, which allows you to remove those masks, those personas that also come off when you stop drinking. But I think this is another layer of the onion. And radical honesty is simply committing not to lie to yourself, not to lie to others, not to bend the truth, not to exaggerate, not to tell white lies, etc., not to withhold. And I've been doing that for a couple of years. I occasionally slip up, but I think it's actually one of the best things that I've ever done. It just makes everything so much lighter. And you touched on something else that is absolutely true as well. Uh, that feeling of not being good enough. Almost everyone I work with, and I'm sure it's the same for you, at the heart of all of this is some kind of toxic shame, a sense in some way that we're just not good enough, we're just not worthy. And that can hold us back as well. And actually, I think part of my journey right at the beginning, when I started joining these groups, I think it was ego driven. I wanted to look good in front of these other people. And I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm just being radically honest. But I think my ego actually helped me. And then as my work progressed and I did therapy, I managed to kind of kill off that part of me that wasn't really serving me. But it actually did serve me in the early stages of sobriety because I kind of got a bit competitive about wanting to post that I'd got to 100 days or even a week at the start. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, sorry, it's, it's, sorry, Ellie, go on. Sorry, no, go on. I was going to say lots of practices. It's interesting. They're like that meditation, yoga. Often it's ego that brings people to the practice, but then the practice breaks that part of you down. Yeah. And then you meet it where, you know, where, you know, where I don't kind of trying to find the right word. You meet it authentically mm -hmm. um, and you have a different relationship with that thing. That's, and so like there's a leverage point there at the end of the day. Like if that's what takes you there and that's the journey, then amazing. Like that's a great thing to have, to have realized. 
Yeah, and that's exactly what happens. I think you just put that really well, actually. The ego takes you there and then you you meet with it kind of authentically from mm. a different perspective. But I th- it also can present challenges, though, when you start to become aware of ego-driven behaviours and then kind of don't have the need for the ego-driven behaviours. I found it a challenge. Like my first book, that was all about ego. I wanted to, I think essentially I just wanted my mum to say well done to me. She still hasn't, but maybe one day. But now I don't have that need. I've worked through it all. So I find it a bit of a struggle. Like, well, what next? What do I work on next? And that's when you have to start looking for things that bring you true joy, such as connection, such as perhaps not work-related activities, but things that truly light you up. And it's an invitation to explore. Mm, it is. And I loved what you said about truth-telling and the link with authentic, wholehearted, authentic living. And that there's some really interesting stuff coming up, bubbling up at the moment around not, not just what people have been saying for a long time about truth telling, but there's some science backed stuff that's coming up. So that's just reminded me, Sam, that we need to do an episode on this. I'm not sure I'll get my um, wish list guest on, but we can have a go. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, cool. there's a book um, called Radical Honesty. Um, the audio, don't get the audio book, it's terrible. The recording's <laughs> awful. But the hard, the actual paperback or hardback book is, is a really good read. Although you can read about the concept of radical honesty online. You know, a blog post will do the trick. You'll work out what you need to do. My advice is to do it as an experiment, which is what I did. I thought I'm going to take seven days. I'm going to be radically honest. I'm going to pay attention, journal get curious just like this naked mind and see what happens and it just made life so much easier the other thing I guess just talking about experiments that came to mind we were talking about this yesterday is control control can be another thing that keeps us stuck and I was a control freak I still am a bit and I notice quite quickly with some uncomfortable feelings when I'm not in control And I did another experiment around this. I gave my wife complete control of my life for a week. She could choose what I wore, what I ate, where I went, everything. And that was another one that was brilliant. It was actually liberating, not knowing that I didn't need to be in control. She was in control of everything. Did did she dress you up in roller skirts and hot pants or? No, I did ask, but I wasn't allowed (laughs) to control it. (laughs) Maybe next time. Next week. God, that's the whole episode in itself. Yeah, control's a big one. And I think most people, if they're really radically honest with themselves, they would acknowledge that they do have a need to control. And the reality is there's very little that we can control. Interestingly, Simon, can I ask you a question about that? Was it it a relief, actually, to be able to relinquish control and to have somebody else? Because I'm thinking about decision-making fatigue, right? So having somebody else have complete control of your life, was it, was the actual effect of it that it was relief and peaceful. Yeah, definitely it was peaceful it was really nice oh i'm gonna do that I think. give it a go let someone That's else take maybe sam could have control of your I mean, life for a while <laughs> oh no i wouldn't trust sam <laughs> don't trust me it's really interesting my journey through ocd and stuff like that and always wanting really you know and struggling with that big time when i was a teenager and learning to let go and learning that the interesting thing is in gripping on and trying to control food and trying to control all these different things every now and again, you totally lose control. And it's this like elastic band that just snaps every now and again. And to be out of that in so many different areas of my life is such a, um, 
such a relief. And it's really interesting, Simon, hearing you talk about connection and why it's important, because reflecting on my journey, I had like a 19 month period away from alcohol a while back. And the thing I realized after returning to it was the two things that were missing were connection. I hadn't built a tribe and I hadn't been really authentic. And the two things I did was I started joining groups. I started talking to people and I started a blog and I, sh- I, was sh- I shat myself beforehand, like hovering over the publish button. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I remember hitting that button. But from then on, like everything just clicked. There was just this feeling of and just getting it out was so cathartic. Um, and at the time, I didn't know how to be radically honest with my family and with my friends. And so I did it through the blog. And I found it as a real, and then over time, I've now got to the point where I'm, I'm happy to, you know, overshare as well. <laughs> yeah. But that process started there. Um, and leaning into that has been so powerful for me. Um, so, so powerful. Letting go, letting go. Mm-hmm. My favorite Zen for other one of it's like, let go will be dragged. I love that one. And I felt like I was dragged for so long. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. I think an important lesson in that as well is to take baby steps. Don't sort of scream it from the rooftops or tell everybody and anybody. Just take baby steps. There's so many of these groups that people can join. They're private. You're in a completely safe space with people on the exact same journey. Mm -hmm. Just do it gently and and do it when it feels right. Although sometimes you do need to give yourself a kick up the backside to actually do something. I think a lot of people join the groups and sit on the sidelines for a while when actually they could accelerate their personal growth by just take, taking that first step, that first post. And that's the big domino in, in essence. Mm. One of the things that I always say to people, particularly in the lab alcohol experiment is don't hide because you'll be so surprised at what opens up for you. And as you say, Sam, they, they are safe spaces. Uh, it, you know, it, even if like, I, I had a question the other day from somebody that was, she was worried about like um, her professional status and, she wanted to go into a group with anonymity and you know you can just join with a different name if that's what you want to yeah. do but but show up show up and connect with people because you and it is going to feel uncomfortable but if you can reframe discomfort as growth then it's something worthwhile it's really uh you're then going to be more willing to lean into it with curiosity but this point um about a safe space i think the thing that makes some of the groups different and and in particular the groups with this naked mind and the groups that we run um, because of the training that we've had and the the lineage with this naked mind it's compassion led it's grace first it is zero judgment and I think that's why earlier on I said that the groups have a different kind of feel and I think that's why because it's a very different, uh, different, a different model, I think, than some people are used to seeing. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think it should be framed as a lifestyle choice. This isn't about something being taken away from us. It's a positive, empowering lifestyle choice. And I think that's, that is the mm-hmm. difference, certainly mm-hmm. between you know, some of the older school methods of quitting drinking you talked about showing up and doing your work as well. So mm-hmm. whilst the groups are amazing and there can be that initial fear of making that first post or making those first connections. I 
invite people to use something called the Seinfeld strategy. You can Google it. I won't go into the whole where it came from. It's about the comedian Jerry Seinfeld. He came up with it. But essentially, you get yourself a 12-month wall chart, a big fat marker pen. And instead of focusing everything on how many days alcohol-free you are, and sure, count the days, that's fine. Do that as well if you want to. You count the days that you show up and do some work. And obviously that work can be whatever you want it to be. It could be listening to a podcast. It could be reading a book and it could be posting in a group or joining a Zoom call, whatever. And you put a big X on that wall chart every day you show up and you start to like the look of that streak. And that can be a streak that you've got complete and utter control over. And that for some people can be the kind of gateway to actually quitting and building up to it so if you're finding it hard and keep going back to day one i think this can be quite a good thing for your sort of sense of self-worth that you're still showing up every day and doing some work yeah and those tools like i often say to people people come into into my world and they talk about you know one day at a time and these old adages that you hear and i often say well look there's nothing wrong with taking things a day at a time but then at some point you're going to realize that that tool's not useful anymore and it's okay to let it go like one day at a time forever to me personally feels like I'm building a prison, but it worked for me brilliantly. Like marking that, yes, I'm turning up, I'm doing the things. Like I feel great about that. And then at some point it was like, yeah, I'm just going to nod at the year every time it comes past. It's like lovely to say six years, fab, like how cool is that? But you know, the tools work until they don't anymore. And then we upgrade our tools and we upgrade our you know, connection to these things around us. And, and I think that's really important to acknowledge is that what works for you one week is, you know, maybe not going to work for you the next year or the next month. And, and that's okay. That's cool. Like as we evolve, everything around us evolves with us, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's important to constantly be looking at what approach you're using, what strategies. I see a lot of people who have tried to quit multiple times and they've tried the same method of quitting mm-hmm. multiple times, yet they can't understand why it's not working. Well, it's time to upgrade or look at something different that's what can be so powerful about you know coming into a group or a coach or a program where you're looking into the unknown it's like well i've tried everything that seems that now i always say you know it's really hard to see the label from inside the jar and it's so true and like sometimes that scary leap of faith is well i haven't tried that before but just like i've just like i've never been I've never shared in this way before. I've never been vulnerable in this way. And it's a bit scary, but like Ellie said, and like you've said, Simon, what awaits you on the other side is just amazing. Most of the time, like it's incredible to live, to push through that part of your comfort zone. Yeah, completely. And I think what's worse is that once you've realized you've got a problem, there's no going back. You can't go back to ignorant bliss. You can't go back to a place where everything's carefree and you're not worried about your drinking. You will always worry about your drinking. So you've only got one choice, stay stuck. Well, two, stay stuck or move forward. Yeah, in my experience, it makes it worse because you try to then make alcohol do something that it doesn't do anymore. You try to use it in the way and then it it just becomes this feedback loop where the very thing that you want to save you is slowly destroying you. And that loop is, is a painful loop to be in and it, and it starts to eat you up. Yeah, I agree. So I want to transition to, to, to actual groups now. So, you know, we have our, uh, a lovely group of people in the presence of a podcast group. Simon has a huge group on Facebook and and a big following on Instagram and uh, his YouTube channel. And the thing that we've all been blessed by these last, what, 18 months or so is being able to do all this sort of stuff, connecting over Zoom 
and in online groups and that sort of thing. And it's wonderful. And, you know, I was, I was just talking to somebody earlier on today about just how incredible it is that the relationships that I've built over the last 18 months, I have deeper connections with those people than some of the people that I've known for 25 odd years all my life. And it, it comes from standing shoulder to shoulder with these people, going through the same experience, sharing vulnerably, being there wholeheartedly and compassionately to support one another. And it's just been the greatest gift. And we were just talking before we started recording this, we've all not met in the flesh yet. And the person I was talking to earlier on today, I was explaining that, you know, one of my best friends out in Australia, I've not met her yet. And I don't know when I'm going to meet her, but we still have this really deep connection and I can have conversations with her I wouldn't have with other people. So this is great, but there is one thing that's a bit better than doing it online and that's getting together in person and and I'm bursting we have the opportunity to get together so as things are starting to open up and Simon has gifted us with this amazing opportunity you may have already heard about this and you may already have your ticket but if you haven't we're going to talk now about Simon's live event in January very beginning of January 2nd of January yeah, right, that's it. And uh, and so if, um, oh, actually, Simon, I'm going to meet you at Sober Dave's Christmas party. But other than that, Sam and I are probably, this is the first time Sam and I are going to meet is at that live event in Amazing. January. Amazing, yeah. And so I want to talk, uh, I want to talk in depth about what you've got to offer people, Simon, because yes, all this online stuff is great. But uh, there is something magical about getting together and I can kind of feel it and get a sense of it now. But I've had to book myself into the hotel for two nights so that I can fully experience it in the real in January. <laughs> Plus you get two hotel breakfasts that way as well. Yeah, and two nights away from the kids. Might get some sleep. <laughs> so Simon, why don't you tell us, um, and, 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 and a big thank you from me for actually one, putting it together, and two, coming on here to talk to us about it, because you have some tickets left. Yeah, there's a few. And a few tickets left, and, and I really want to impl uh, implore to the people that have it, the people that are in our group, people that are listening to this and either haven't come across Simon or come across his live event yet, like, get your ticket. We'll um, put a link so you can sign up and get one, grab one of these last tickets as soon as you've listened to this. But Simon's going to tell us about all of the exciting stuff that's going to happen. So over to you, Simon. Yeah, thanks. And yeah, it's great to come on and you know, share it with your listeners. And I'm so excited you two are going to meet each other for the first time yeah, in cool, real right? life at the event. How cool. <laughs> yeah. So it's called Sobriety Breakthrough Live. And ever since I went to Denver and spoke at this Naked Mind Live, and I, to a lesser extent, the Mindful Drinking Festival, but the event in Denver with Annie on on the stage it was just such a big thing for me it just felt like this moment that acknowledged how far I'd come on my own journey when I stepped onto that stage this is somebody who had such bad anxiety previously when I was drinking and suddenly I'm there on my own on the stage in front of four or five hundred people and there's nothing like that in the UK it and he put on something that was more like a conference a learning experience over two days and um, we've got some great events over here but they tend to be 
more social and less learning. And I thought that there was a place and I would have loved to have done something where there was a place for the two to go hand in hand. And then coronavirus struck and I kind of put the ideas that I had on ice for doing something over here. And as things have eased off, I kind of impulsively booked the venue and didn't really tell my wife who helps me run the business. And, and it just went from there. And then I realized I was a little bit out of my depth. So I got a professional event organizing company to help me with the, uh, with the details. And they've really helped us put on something that I think is going to be fabulous. We've got some amazing speakers, Sober Dave, William Porter. I know I'm going to forget somebody. Lula Bentz, who runs Trauma Thrivers. She's talking about the link between trauma, uh, emotional neglect and addiction. Laura Willoughby. Janie Lee Grace, who runs the Sober Club. She's a former TV and radio presenter. Um, Mandy and Kate from Love Sober are talking. I'm sure there's somebody else. Annie Grace has done a bunch of videos which answers questions from members of the audience. She's pre-recorded them for us. So we're going to play those in between some of the talks. And then in the evening, we've got a whole bunch of stuff. So there's an after party. And there's food laid on for everybody. And there's an after party with things like a sleep coach who is apparently bringing a bed with them to train people how to sleep properly after they've stopped drinking. There's a journaling workshop. There's a drumming workshop where we can all connect together and be part of a band where everyone gets an <laughs> instrument. There's just a whole bunch of things. It's all on the website, which is soberlive.co.uk. Um, there's, there's a whole list of everything that we've got lined up. But I think we've made it a day where you can learn a lot where even if you haven't quit yet or you've been sober for a while you're going to meet people on the same journey and connect with people who you probably haven't met in real life because you're not the first person who said they're meeting a friend for the first time there and then there's all this other stuff afterwards which is just going to bring us all together and connect us with so many new things that we may not have experienced that we can bring into our journey or bring into our lives so exciting and as you talk about it Simon I was thinking back to the realization I had in my journey where I realized well I've been given alcohol way too much credit for uh, for what a good time is and this sounds like the most amazing place to come and have a ball and have an awesome time and just prove that to yourself experientially so for so many of us we haven't been engaging in this way for so long because of lockdown and all these things that have been happening and it's this amazing safe space. It's going to be full of energy. I can feel it now and I can feel the energy that's gone into it. I would have been so excited. And I, and I feel like the amount of learning, not just the amazing learning that people are going to get from the speakers and, the, and everything that's going on, but just the learning of the kind of like below um, talking like learning, the like learning of just being there and just mm. connecting to that space with people that are enjoying life just for life <laughs> yeah. it's going to be like such a wonderful thing and I, like I'm so excited to like be in that space because it's been a long long time for me as well so it's it's really exciting yeah and just to reassure people as well the venue has got a, an air filtration system which mimics being outside so they, we chose it for a reason awesome. it can actually hold 300 people but we've capped it at half the normal number because of covid to be safe and it's got this brilliant air filtration system but i hear you in terms of i learned so much at these sort of events i remember going to the mindful drinking festival not long after i'd quit and the speakers were great but it was actually meeting people in real life hearing their experiences and just this overwhelming sense of i'm not on my own 
Mm. There's a whole world out there. Before I felt like an alien who'd landed from another planet, the, you know, the planet sober. And I hadn't even met anyone else who was sober or I didn't know about it. And suddenly here I was in this room and there were hundreds of these, these other people just <laughs> like me. How awesome. Oh, yeah. It's going to be really, really special. I mean, just as you say, to, to couple a day where you can uh, raise your level of understanding, you can learn a whole bunch of stuff, you can experience a whole bunch of stuff, you can meet people, you can just um, be present and be in that energy. It's, I'm so excited about it. And I just, it's, you know, this is, I was about to say it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Hopefully not, because hopefully Simon's going to do it again. But it's the first one. Like this, it, this is a really big deal. So if you are anywhere around the UK or, you know, have means to travel, you've got to get there and get get the, get one of these last tickets. Um, have we said where it is, Simon? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's in the Outer Hebrides in Scotland. No, it's not. <laughs> So it's in Surrey. It's only it's about 45 minutes south of London. So it's quite well connected in terms of driving, train, etc. So it's in Guildford and all the details are on the website. But we've got people cut of book tickets. They're coming from the US, from mm. Canada. There's people coming from France for certain. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of people coming from all literally all over the world to attend this event. Because I think, as you said, Ellie, they've realized that. It's kind of, it's not a once in a lifetime thing, but it, as you say, it's the first one and it's mm. it's going to be really special. And my hope is, I'm sure all will go well and we've got an amazing day plan. My hope is that we can do it every year and make it yeah. a, a thing. And the, the, the other thing to mention at this juncture is, right, we're, so we're now, um, you know, towards the end of Dece uh, December, uh, end of November, and we're going to be heading into that lovely holiday season. And... I don't know about you, but usually for me, as you tick into January, there's that bit of a lull. So what better way to start January than with something as exciting and as fun as this? Like it's the it's the best thing that you could be doing with your the start of January, whether you're doing dry January or not. You know, it's a you are going to pick up so much by being there. Um, I'm just looking forward to elbowing all these people out of the way so that I can get to that bed first. Yeah, <laughs> sleep there'll coach. be a cue for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's awesome. And uh, it's it's enormously good value too. Like I have to say, I think like the these tickets are a steal and you are mad if you don't grab one whilst there's a few left. So please do go ahead and you get to meet, you don't just get to meet Simon and all of his guests speakers you get to meet us too yeah we're going to be there yeah that's the thing exactly we've got all sorts lined up we've even got a raffle i've roped william porter into Ooh. giving us some signed books and there's a whole bunch <sighs> of other stuff that people can win yeah so it's going to be a lot of fun and i think sam exactly as you said i had a strong association that i couldn't have fun without alcohol i'm going to prove to every person who comes yeah. that you can have more fun without alcohol and help them form a new belief about that by attending that's so true. And, and you know, the, I feel like on my journey, it was kind of like over time, I started to really learn the truth of that and bit by bit by bit. And then I had so many kind of like reference points of like, oh, no, the difference was people, place, atmosphere, all that stuff. And for anyone who's thinking to themselves, 
you know, because often it's the, one of the last things that people really tackle is the socializing thing. They're, they're kind of like, everything. Hey, and me and Ellie talk about, you know, you don't want to make your world smaller. Like we stop drinking to make our worlds bigger. Right. And so my sense is that for anyone who's looking for that amazing opportunity to step out, make your world bigger, you know, come back into socializing or whatever it might be, what an amazing place to do that. And what a supportive place to do that as well, which is going to have a fab energy and you're going to have the most incredible reference point to leverage into 2022 and to, to round off 2021. Like it's amazing. So yeah, I really hear you on that, mate. And a lot of people in the, alcohol-free community yeah they reference these events as moments that change their lives mm -hmm. sober dave often speaks about how he went to his first ever event he hadn't really quit at that point i think he was weeks of being alcohol free and he met william porter there and some other kind of influential people and i think it just gave him this massive impetus to take things further when he saw how they were living their lives so it can be quite inspirational as well and you can find people who you know, might be become your mentor or pe people that you know really drive you forward in some way mm. yeah, you realize that anything is possible right yeah exactly but if you don't turn up it's not <laughs> true story <laughs> awesome oh my god i'm gonna i'm bursting i'm very very excited simon i like from the bottom of my heart thank you for for putting this on i just i can't wait to be there oh I know, it's, it's brilliant i hope loads of your listeners come i just can't wait to see you with people asking you for selfies <laughs> Well, we could throw in another little um, incentive. So if um, I'm just about to sign you up for something here, Sam, if um, if people want a selfie with Sam in his bouldering hot pants. Oh, no, that's not happening. Then, oh. um, <laughs> you can have it in my normal clothes, but, you know, I'm not the world's not ready for me in my my hot pants yet. Simon, you know, well, I don't know. Simon was talking about going out into into the world with them on. So, yeah. And your roller skates. Yeah, I've still got <laughs> I've still got to give that some thought. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Awesome. Is there anything else we want to say about the event? I, I kind of feel like we've um, there's a potential that we've missed something really obvious. We've said where it is. Um, we've said what's included. We're going to put we've links said to when it. it is. We've got links. What's the cost of the ticket, Simon? They they vary. There's um, there's a few different options depending on whether you want to stay for the evening. So they range from about seventy six pounds up to about one hundred and twenty if you go for the the seats at the front and the VIP goodie bag and things like that. Cool. But you get lunch included, you get dinner included, drinks included. There's all sorts. Yeah. So I mean, where, yeah. where can you go in, you know, in the South and have your, all of your drinks and, oh, hang on, I'm assigning you up to everybody's drinks now to oh. have your, all of your, <laughs> your, you know, your meals included. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a bloody good deal. Uh, it's, and, and then all of the other stuff that's included in it um it's a it's a steal i think yeah and have a look at the website because there's a full list on there of all the evening activities and i know i missed some of those out there's a whole bunch of them and we've got some you know surprise things lined up so it's just going to be such a awesome high energy fun-filled day and i think if people are feeling a bit of fear about coming along nobody's going to point their finger at you and ask you to stand up and talk or anything like that you can sit quietly and just soak it all in and just see what happens so don't sort of feel that you might be what maybe you will be a bit outside your comfort zone even by coming along but i guess i'd invite you to face into that and actually yeah. do it anyway yeah the, the two things that are important are showing up 
and investing in yourself because yeah. it, when when you when you choose to invest in yourself something something changes like i as i talk about this a lot i remember question spending the $47 for the live alcohol experiment on myself and it was just I didn't value myself at the time and when I decided that I was going to do it something something inside of me changed so if you're uh, anything like I was then the the next thought that I had after god it's $47 was well how much am I going to save by going alcohol free for January probably 400 quid I mean it's a an absolute, I know you said a big swear word, then it's a no-brainer, right? So yeah. it really is. I mean, you add it up, I added up over the period I'd been alcohol free how much I saved. And I think it was about, oh, it's crazy, 30,000 pounds or 10,000. It was yeah. some ridiculous figure. So you can, and you can't put a price on your health and you know, what can happen to relationships and our ability to parent, can you? Exactly. No, that's it. And as you say, like it's, that face value cost in the financial term is just just the beginning of like the true cost of um, carrying on that cycle. So yeah, awesome. And we're not making any money on it either. I think we'll probably break even. And if we do make any profit, that all goes back into helping people who want to quit drinking. Mm, which is just awesome. Thank you so much, Simon. I am so bloody excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's going it. to be awesome it's going to be really good fun so please don't bloody miss it you'd be a fool to you'd be kicking yourself if you miss it meeting sam and i and all these other characters that we've all um seen from afar it's going to be superb so we'll see you there in guildford at the mandalay hotel yeah. january the 2nd yeah i'll see you there there we are, Tribe. What an awesome episode. I love how openly and just, just natural Simon is with these things. You know, and, and it's for many of us, we've been taught to, to not talk about our emotions and to bottle things up. And it's such a huge part of this journey that Simon's got some incredible tools and techniques. So if you want to know anything about what he does, his books are fantastic. Um, the Sober Survival Guide um, was an amazing book. I really enjoyed reading that. And How to Quit Alcohol in 50 Days was, uh, was fab as well. So he's got a new book coming out about the inner child soon um, and he's always doing incredible work on his youtube channel and and just everywhere right so we would love to see you at the event so if you want to come along grab yourself a ticket it's a superb it's an absolute bargain for the day um, and it's going to be i honestly i haven't been this excited about something in a very very long time i cannot wait um, it's also quite surreal that me and ellie will be meeting for the first time in the person um, in person at that event which is also slightly bonkers Anyway, I'm now waffling. Hope you have an amazing Tuesday. Looking forward to seeing you if you decide to come along in January.